Hello and welcome to Unidentified Wargamer. Each week I interview a wargamer and identify them in the hobby. This week I've got on Anne Owen Jackson. Sometimes he's called the Owen Jackson, but I like to call him Anne Owen Jackson. How you been, Owen? Hey, man. Thank you. I appreciate that, Sam. You're the first person to ever call me Anne Owen Jackson, because um, I'm sure there's more than <laughs> one. Um, and yeah, that's uh, quite a funny title that I've picked up along the way. But yeah, I'm good, man. It's a sunny morning in London. I'm looking out my window. The sun is peeking through the clouds. I'm having a coffee. Get to talk to a fellow bro about Warhammer. So yeah, could be worse. What more could you want? Absolutely. It's it seems to be a running theme at the moment is the guests that I speak to in the UK seem to be all having lovely days. Yeah, good old global warming, eh? Um, you know, they, this, <laughs> this, this, the, the summer just keeps on rolling. But um, no, it's one of those kind of crisp, um, yeah, crisp autumnal days. I kind of like these good good days for going out walking, but um, also good days for staying inside and chatting about Warhammer or playing Warhammer. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. All good. Happy boy. What's your wargaming and sort of tabletop been like for the past few weeks? You've been pretty busy with painting or hobbying or what's sort of been on your table there? Um, it's a funny one. I've been playing a lot recently. I was kind of in a bit of a funk, not a funk, but I kind of slowed down a little bit on the gaming because it's probably quite known that I played a lot of tournaments last year. Um, but yeah, so last few weeks, I've kind of picked up the pace a little bit more. Um, uh, I borrowed an army for the probably maybe the first time ever. I really like playing with my own models because, you know, it's your own thing and you kind of have these attachments to them. And But yeah, I borrowed an army off, off Alex, actually, from, from my... Oh, very from nice. My, yep. He's got a beautiful commissioned Stormcast army. Um, and I borrowed that. And um, Rob and Adam and Charlie and I did this silly Reign of Stars thing. I don't know if you heard about that. I did see the photos, yes. It looked quite fun. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that learning a brand new army. I mean, I've still got the book on my table somewhere. And yeah, so I learned the Stormcast book a little bit and and, and we played the silly list. So that was the last week. Um, before that, playing a lot of Sylvaneth. Um, but yeah, not much painting, but I've cleared up the hobby space. I've got a room upstairs, which was a massive mess after Worlds. I haven't really tidied it since worlds because it's just like beats of chaos stuff everywhere and paint splattered around and so i finally cleared up the space and i think i'm gonna do corn before corn get their new book i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna play my corn so um, i'm gonna paint up i've got 24 blood crushers on my desk at the moment oh very nice yeah are you going down the same route darren is with mortal corn no i think the mortal heroes have got some really good tech um but i've always liked the idea of putting spamming loads of blood crushers on the table i played it quite a bit during like lockdown tts and had some real fun with that and i think like three blood crushers is 130 points for 12 wounds on a four up save like bravery 10 and they do that it's all about the impact it's using blood tide to charge um in your opponent's hero phase and blow stuff up that's all i want to do is line up a perfect charge um, at the start of somebody else's hero phase. Um, so yeah, it's a mixture. It's like Demon Prince, 18 to 24 Blood Crushers, some screens, Scarbrand to go in and clean up afterwards. Of course, Na- naturally, naturally got to have Scarbrand in there. He's like, he's the king at the moment. Like I've, I've watched him do some amazing things on coverage over the last few weeks and, and seen him, like he's great in a melee meta, right? He's great into Nighthorn. Mm-hmm. And if you can line him up and just insert him into your opponent's army, then um, he's he's a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I'm looking to 
finally play play a bit of corn on the real table because I've played a lot of it on TTS um, b- before. I mean, they're one of the oldest books now, so you'd think that that corn book is going to get changed. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm heading. Um, but I'm full of ideas, and they don't always come off. Do you know, are, are you like that at all, yep. Sam? Are you? Uh... <laughs> I'm not. I generally, because I'm a collectionist for my armies, mm-hmm. so I generally I have only have four armies at the moment, and they're all about six, seven thousand points, nice. and they're all horde based. So there's not as many janky things you can do with horde armies that there are more elite style, mm-hmm. all these weird and wacky builds from yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my struggle with it, trying to be a bit more original. Is it's harder when you've got just like hundreds of zombies or hundreds of gits or hundreds of skaven. There's not as much jank in there as both. No, no. You like bodies on the. You like put, putting bodies on the table, then, right? Yes. Yeah. 120 zombies. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Having played 100 zombies and the gash, which was a lot of fun, I've been playing like elite Sylvaneth and elite Stormcast, and you're just like, where are my guys? Where's the lads on all the objectives? And you know, like you're always being behind on the primary. Um, but that's a. Uh, I like the challenge. Um, and corn is great because you just bring you can bring on your galley vets you know they're so good in the late game and i i actually think they're a really good army at the moment because they've got the blood type changes got all the tech you've got all this i love creative like coming up with creative um sort of plays and little combos and links and and they're, they're perfect for that um yeah so i'm looking forward to putting them on the table especially with this sort of old book style where it's aos2 at the very start of aos2 mm-hmm. Um, so you've got a lot of jank that can still be played around with. I think most, a lot of it was explored, but none of it was brought forward at the end of AOS 2 and the start of AOS 3. It seems to be more now a lot of people are linking back into corn. Mm. Yeah, it's a really funny one. I mean, one of your previous guests and my good friend Darren, he's amazing. At, you have these cycles of these books and like a lot of people – such as maybe my teammate Matthew Goldsborough, the Welsh team. He's always on the cutting edge. He's always getting hold of that new book and like trying to exploit or not exploit, trying to find the the hotness in the new books and and then putting that on the table really quickly. Whereas other players like Darren, they'll be looking at the back of the cycle for the oldest books and finding those little bits of those combos and those little interactions that maybe have slipped through the net in terms of the new way of doing things or the new, because you always get these kind of trends in the rules writing. There's always like, they're looking to go towards obviously no rerolls is quite a big thing. And um, you know, no positive modifiers is kind of a thing at the moment, but finding these little ways to link things together, especially within chaos, like chaos has always been a real good home for, for looking back and finding some little intricate, um, interesting combos. Um, Yeah. There's, I think there's still some fun to be had um, with with some of the older books, but it is that I believe I think the game is being a bit more sanitized. They're trying to keep you inside the book a little bit more, um, which I don't know. That's just the way it goes. It's a, it's it's a cool game, so you know. Are you a, a chaos fan then, or you just like the list that comes behind chaos armies? Um, historically, I was always like an order kind of. You know, I think maybe when I was a kid, cowboys and Indians, I always want to be the good guy, you know, like you want to be a goodie. Um, but maybe, yeah, over the course of playing, you know, you 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 kind of maybe pick up armies less for the models and maybe more for the rules. Um, and, and in that, yeah, definitely looking at chaos in general, I love, yeah, I love corn, 
not because but but from an aesthetic point of view corn isn't my jam corn feels very heavy metal kind of you know skulls and blood and thunder and you know kind of aggression and that's not me but the rules writing is amazing for like techie creative problem solving i kind of i don't know slanesh i could play slanesh i kind of in the tier list it was always it would have always been corn slanesh nurgle and then zinch and then I, I i like the classic chaos warriors um but now i'm kind of becoming a bit zinch curious I'm changing. I'm changing. <laughs> I never liked the gribbly, like I never liked the Zinch demons. Um, it's just they didn't have a very clean aesthetic, and I like the the clean aesthetic. Um, but the rules and the combos and the, I mean, Rob plays it a lot, and like and people like Daniil. I've got friends who play it, and they keep and Simon Weekly, and they keep coming up with these mad things you can do, and I'm like, okay. Now I'm interested. You can do some crazy <laughs> shit with this. So that's cool. But yeah, historically, I would always like to be dwarves and elves and, you know, the, the bastions of order and the, the defenders of the realm and all this kind of thing. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, yep. I definitely think uh, I'm, 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 I'm tainted by chaos now. The more I've played the game, the more tainted by chaos I've become. Um, but destruction never, never had a destruction army. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I really like Iron Jaws. I would probably play Iron Jaws. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a kind of, there doesn't seem to be a lot of order or hierarchy within the destruction. They just sort of seem to be just like a load of mad lads. Maybe that's, I mean, you've always got the gits below the orcs cause the orcs seem to kick around the gits all the time. So you've got that in the law wise, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I need to give gits a chance or give, give destruction a chance. You know what it's like, though. You've only got so much time and to to build and paint and play armies, and you kind of go towards what you love first, and then you maybe start deviating around. Um, I really like. I mean, I'm just listing off things I like at the moment, but I do really like. <laughs> I love. I love the death armies. Though I've got to say, having played OBR and Soul Blight and messed around a bit with Flesh Eaters, um, I really like the idea of the undead armies and the recursion and zombies and skeletons. Like a one of my favorite. Um, scenes oh my god it's gonna i'm gonna blank on me but basically ray harryhausen used to do all the animation for these kind of like sinbad movies and jason and the argonauts um these are like these old 1960s i want to say 1970s movies and there's a very famous scene with these animated skeletons fighting and um yeah so death armies and kind of skeleton armies they always remind me of these kind of old old fantasy movies that I used to love when I was a kid clash of the Titans and things like that. So, um, I still really, yeah, I like, I like the idea of the death army and the recursion. I love playing summoning armies, armies that bring stuff back, um, and all the mechanics that are based around that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've just listed off things I like. So everything I'm about to say, so you like everything. I like it. I like everything, but I just haven't got in on the orcs and I don't think I could ever play giants. Um, yeah, no orcs, giants, ogres yet. But hey, you know, there's a whole lifetime ahead of us. Maybe there's room for an ogre in my heart. You never know. <laughs> well, I I tried to pick up ogres once, and that was more the gut buster side, and that didn't interest me after a little bit. I played one or two games and sold them off. Mm. But I picked up um, more the Beast Core Raider side. Okay. After playing with all my Horde armies, it really made me appreciate the screens and blocking out teleports and everything else. Cause every time I place by my four or five stone horns and Kragnos, mm. I'm like, I can't screen anything out. 
I can't block anything out. I can't backboard anything. I can't do anything. And I'm mm. like, it really made my brain struggle and forced me to play a different play style. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. So these core Raiders is quite fun to play with with the Kragnos. They're moving real fast and they're charging 3D6. Yeah, it, it does seem that that is a lot of fun. And, and definitely I would think that Destruction seems less like a Grand Alliance and more like a way of life for a lot of players. <laughs> you know, yep. like some some Destruction bros are just like, they're just, that, this is me. I found my home. I'm right here. Um, and, and yeah, they love charging and smashing stuff up. But definitely I think playing without an army with lots of screens, because obviously like you're saying, playing Soul Blight, you've got screens for days. You can protect your characters. You can kind of protect your power pieces. But I think with uh, with with Ogres um, and maybe, you know, double more Crusher Iron Jaws, you're very much like, you have to commit to this aggro play style and you kind of give up on objectives, don't you? And you have to understand like where your trades are. So you're not always able to protect all your assets. You just got to go, right, I'm going to send this in. I'm I'm happy to lose that in a turn because it'll mean I've got this board position and I've pinned this guy, you know, and you're basically building your, your sort of your Warhammer knowledge at that point, aren't you? You're understanding different ways to, to, to play the game. So I think it's good. I think that is a good tip for players actually as well to, pivot from one definitive style and if you can if you have the time and the money to then go to a completely different army then you're like oh wow this game feels very different when i play it in a you know with a different faction and a different way um yeah that's what makes the game really exciting in my opinion because you can even the reign of stars thing that rob and i did uh, and, and adam and charlie Rob made a point. He was like, we were playing, we were all on very similar records and we were like playing in a row a lot of the time and we would look at the same mission with the same army and we would all deployed slightly differently and we're all playing slightly differently. So even with the same tools, we all, you know, our, our personality comes into how we play um, and, and, you know, whether we go aggro or, or defensive or you play early or you play late, it's some, um, it's such an interesting game. And I think that's what keeps us all <laughs> so, um, enthralled with it right yes it's it's got the high risk and it, it rewards us for our sort of mental capacity to play armies mm-hmm. and to get these little um skirmishes out on the table it sort of gives you that nice rewarding feeling when what you're trying to accomplish comes to fruition because mm-hmm. i noticed i've when i was talking to so you talking about the trading units i remember to send a stone horn up just to sit in front of the long strikes being you have to shoot this unit over here that I'm going to trade off mm-hmm. while the rest of my army just sits to the side. But if you don't deal with this model, he's going to come in and rampage through your army. So trying to think up of ways to get around certain, say, armies that people have, and then you're able to get that to come out in fruition is very rewarding and definitely pulls you in more for mm. the game. Yeah, big time. I think um, understanding that your stuff's going to die is quite a hard lesson to learn early on because you're like, I've just spent a year painting all my dudes and this one's called that and he's really cool and oh, I tried this new technique and then you're like, oh, shit, you shot him off in a turn. Brilliant. So like, <laughs> you know, like kind of, uh, what does Darren call it? Darren calls it, um, is it, oh, I can't remember. Kill your, kill your. Oh, kill your darlings. Kill your darlings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so thank you, Sam. Well done. I'm the coffee's <laughs> still working its way through my system. Um, yeah, so like understanding that when you're playing the game, you can give up these pieces for the for the greater good. You know, like we're playing a war game, stuff dies, right? So yeah, I like that idea. Like, especially with ogres, you're like, deal with this rather than because you can't just sit at the back of the board. It's like you I've played 
quite a few new players and you tell them I can move this far and then I can charge and you know so I've got this threat range and then they they just give up the board and they sit in the corner and at the end of the game I'm like <laughs> you basically lost on deployment because you were too worried about my threats that you didn't impose your game on me whereas I was actually genuinely worried about border I just yeeting in and blowing up my dudes like if you'd have gone aggro early you could have um you know you could have done to me what I did to you um but yeah give giving up stuff stuff dying that's part of the game right they'll be back they'll be back learning they'll be, they'll be back <laughs> in the next game and they might do something amazing or they might be back in that in the game you're currently playing if you've got a uh, uh, resurrection yes as well <laughs> yeah 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 half those lads will be back don't worry those zombros they'll, Love it. they'll be back <laughs> trying to resurrect and move around all those zombies is uh frustrating for yourself and for your opponent at the same time yeah, it's such a shame. If it wasn't for bounty hunters, I think zombies would be legit at the moment. You've got to be very brave to put a lot of zombies on the board, I think, in this GHB. Um, but yeah, they're yeah, they're so much fun, right? With the six-inch pile and all the buffs you can put on them, and they're kind of expendable, and they're going to give you like lots on the primary. Um, yeah, lo- I had loads of fun playing with zombies. I think I used to watch. You used to do some battle reports. I remember. Um, I knew you were playing, playing quite a few zombies with Radicar, and yeah, they're they're great when it all lines up. They're quite. Oh, it's amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's quite hard to to get them there sometimes, right? Yes, because they're quite slow. But you do get the tasty when you could roll your dice and just get your six out of it if you needed to. Mm-hmm. They're moving ten inches, and then you got the extra pile as well. And they haven't got that they haven't redeployed against you. Yes. Then they move quite fast that way. Uh, but if they do redeploy, then they're quite slow. <laughs> they're just sat there like I got plus one attack and pile in an attack twice, yeah. and you're like, yeah, you're an inch out, mate, and you ran, so you can't pile in. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what sort of play style would you say that you are then? With because you you've you just sort of rattled off earlier, hmm. probably every army under the sun bar destruction. What would you say your playstyle leads into then? Um, good question. I've thought about this in the past, really. I think I'm a very meticulous planner. Um, I bring my work in with me in terms of like I do a lot of like pro- like directing of projects and managing projects and you know spreadsheets and organizing teams and that element definitely comes into how I play the game. So you know I will know I will try and get all my rules locked in. I think that's kind of, I think that's a minimum standard for, for players. Obviously there are certain things about like how monsters bracket and stuff like that. And oh, does this spell go off on a six or a seven? But I think you should, rocking up to a table, I definitely like to have about 85, 90% of all the rules um, off book. And then you're concentrating on the, the strategy. So that's definitely part of my play style is the prep. Then things like, you know, a, a, a cheat sheet, um, comes into it tokens and having a kind of rhythm i definitely got a, r- a rhythmic way of playing in terms of like all my dice and every, all my tokens go in the same place on the table when i play again i'm probably just a bit anal so i just have <laughs> like i always have everything to the right of me and like i like to be very methodical in how i just because i think that you're cutting out all the other extraneous noise and the extraneous sort of parts of the game like i really hate it when i come to a table at a tournament and there's like no space for stuff because i like to oh it's frustrating really frustrating um so i because i so definitely i'm a i'm a prepper and i'm a planner so i'll turn up and i have a very methodical way of like talking about my army like this does this this does that i always like to do the score 
somebody kind of needs to run the game, I think. And I don't know if it's just me and how I am, but I, I often will be will be running the game in, in from a scoring point of view. So definitely organized and prepped is part of my play style. I have a really clear plan on deployment. You know, every time I rock up to the table, I'm like, okay, sweet, Sylvaneth, or okay, sweet, Soul Blight, or, you know, Stormcast. Uh, I kind of definitely a part of the preppers, again, is, you know, we all talk about the game a lot, don't we? And we all, you know, you you understand what's... We live the game. We live the game. Yeah, nice. That's a good one. Um, put that on a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> we, we definitely come in understanding, like, okay... Nurgle Flies are here. We've got Scarlet Doom Castle List with Cruciator. You know, you kind of understand the meta and what you're going to be stepping into. So part of my style, turn up at the table. I have my system. I'm organized. I know my army. And then I understand my opponent's army. So I'll always have a good, what I like to think of as a good turn one plan or a good deployment plan, an opening, as it were, if it was chess. And then from that point on, I'm just like a pure reactionary gamer. I kind of, I can see plays as they develop, as I go through, but I won't ever be arrogant enough to think that I understand how the whole game is going to play out if I do this, because there's your opponent and there's dice and there's lots of other factors, right? But definitely I'm a bit like, uh, historically I've played quite high drop, so I was often going first and being like, right, here's my castle, come at me. And then when you make a mistake or you overextend or you underestimate what this, this unit can do or you go for that bit of bait or... You know, like I'll set on my traps or I'll set my castle up and it's all synergistically together. And then I'll be like, right, what are you going to do? And then from that point on, mid game, two to three, I'll like, you know, feeling my way through and seeing how that, that, that puzzle I've set my opponent unravels. And then it's just late game scramble. And that's when the creative problem solving comes in. So I love creative problem solving and like learning from, Someone who doesn't play competitive doing, but definitely learned a lot playing against people like Benjamin Sava, um, who when the game gets late and you've got like turn four into five, you've got like, I got three zombies left and I got a vampire lord and I got two black knights and then I can resurrect that unit of dogs over there. You know, when it gets really messy and there's a few pieces left, that's, that's, yeah, I love that stuff then. Cause you're like, that's when you start linking together all of those little plays and, I can auto six that guy and he can get there. And then if he runs over there and then I need to make that nine inch charge and you line it all up, that, that that's, that's my play style really set the traps, set up prep, and then let the game play and see how it runs. That's, that's kind of how I describe my play style. I think, God, that was long winded. <laughs> I feel like you've just held up a mirror towards me. You've just pretty wow, much really? represented he- the, the whole way I do all of my armies and all my setup and everything else. I don't have, the meticulousness with setting up for tokens and dice to the same side and all that sort of stuff, but the whole planning and setup and design mm-hmm. and everything about what you've just said is how I play my games as both Warhammer, bro. Pretty much down to a T. Let's fist bump through the screen then, bro. Let's go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll get. There we go. We got. Can it. you? I've got a question then. Yeah. How do you feel when you are playing a new army? Because I hate it. Yes. I hate playing a new army. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's but you've got to do it. You've got to go through mm. that process. Like again, I've never played any Stormcast. I didn't play one practice game with the Stormcast list, and it was very, you know, very simple. It was quite a simple army, 
with a, with a, with a few only a few war scrolls but it was still a bit like because you generally want to be able to concentrate on how you're going to sequence your battle tactics and get up on the primary and deal with your opponent and if you don't have that security blanket of knowing but you got to you just got to you got to play through the pain as it were or play through the uncertainty and then there's a there's quite a nice voyage of discovery that you go through then through the course of a tournament you're like oh yeah shit i can do this every turn or i didn't realize that this synergizes with that um but yeah definitely that first game of the tournament weekend and you're like ah i'm not really ready for this but it's like anything in life right i'm sure that actors step on stage and they're like oh i don't really know all my lines or i, I don't know exactly how i'm going to play this and then then we just vibe right you just vibe through it and the the muscle memory comes in and there are things that relate in terms of even if you don't know the army, you still know what you need to do on the mission, right? Yeah. Um, things like that. But yeah, it, it can be a bit unnerving. And then you just, but, you know, fear is good, right? It's, um, well, not yes. fear. No, yeah. fear is the mind killer. Um, kind of having those butterflies and that uncertainty is good. Because if you just turn up to the tournament with the same army every time, there, there's a, there is a benefit to that, but you kind of end up doing the similar things. And it's good to push yourself out and try different stuff, right? Yeah, because I just picked up a Bone Splitters army. So I'm giving that a go and moving that around the board, uh, the disgusting list that it is. Um, but trying to like even remember movement ranges mm -hmm. or like distance of spells and things like that, or even the buff ranges, you feel so naked when you're trying to remember them all. And I, that's what I didn't like about it mm. all. I'm like, I want to come into a game and know all the basic stuff to at least get me prepared. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to learn that new army, it just feels so bad. Like, I just, yeah, I just feel naked. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is, uh, you know, you can, you can miss out on the minutiae. And like Darren is a really amazing example of this. Like he took Marathi and the Cronspine, which is a, you know, it's a bit of a smooth brain list to a degree, but he hadn't played, <laughs> he hadn't played one practice game and he just went and won LGT because he understood <laughs> he under he understood like the fundamentals of like how that should play right he understood that it's an aggro army that you need to go in and that suits his play style so i think even if you miss you know even if you're not off book in terms of knowing all the weapon profiles and the ranges and things like that as long as you understand how you should play the army i think you'll still have a rewarding experience and win some games Side note, bone splitters are pretty busted. I don't want them to get nerfed, but boy, I got my <laughs> pants pulled down at LGT with like, he was playing how many, like 40 guys on picks, 40 ball boys. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. And they were doing like two mortal wounds with ice bone into galley vets because of the bounty hunters rule. Did you know that? that ice, uh, yeah. it, it, yes. Because it, it counts as how many, <clears throat> how much damage you're doing is mortal wounds. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he blew me up in like two <laughs> turns. It was a proper lesson. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, I got Care Bear stared off as well by the um, <laughs> by the bloody my Star Drake got Care Bear stared off on turn one. Uh, oh no! <laughs> I, I had an absolute brain fart. It was awful. Uh, but um, yeah, definitely um, pl playing armies that you um, you know you're not quite locked in with yet can be a bit scary. But it's good. It's good all in all because you're like. You know, you're 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 pulling different levers within the game. You're 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 testing yourself in different to, to play in a different manner, and I think that's always good. That's always interesting. Mm -hmm. What do you sort of feel you get the most rewards out of playing in games? Is it being able to show your sort of tactics and skill wise, or is it more sort of 
being able to ask a lot of questions of your opponent? What do you feel like you get the most reward out of being like playing a, a well-suited game on the tabletop? Um, I definitely, there's probably three things I would say. I definitely like very synergistic armies. So when you get that kind of perfect alignment, you know, like all the lasers on the Death Star line up and you're like, (laughs) so like when you have your little foot hero and he has this bubble of an aura and it then synergizes with this other character and then it just makes this one unit amazing. I am, yeah, or, or you have this kind of, like I used to play, an example would be again this is during tts but there was a time when you could take um what were they called mercenary players do you remember this there was like you could take a mercenary unit but, um and it was um you could basically lock them into any army so i was playing corn with archeon and then i had a mercenary unit of flayers and i had multiple ways of basically oh okay uh, basically debuffing bravery so i had an artifact for minus 2 archeon does minus 2 marauders do minus 1 I had something else in there that did another minus one. And basically a unit of six flares did like 30 mortal wounds uh, with their with their screams because I'd got yep. all of these different things to line up. I like- oh, I, I realized. So I realized what you're talking about now. Yeah, they had like the 10 different types of units to a class. Yes, I completely yes. understand yeah, now. Yeah. Flares was one of them. Yeah, 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 the crypt flares from the Flesh Eater Court. Sorry, yep. yeah, I should have. Um, so that kind of wombo combo, I do really enjoy that. Um I always, I don't know, it's part of my personality that I would like to think that I don't really play filth. Sometimes the armies you love turn into filth or the, or the game moves and, and, and they end up being really strong. But part of my personality is to be a little bit left field. I'll always, I won't, you know, I won't pick up Seraphon. I know I'm very anti-Seraphon. <laughs> I think everyone's anti-Seraphon that's not playing Seraphon. Yeah, exactly. Um, what did I call it the other day? The game is in a state where we're playing. It's like very much a rock, paper, scissors, Seraphon game at the moment. This is four things. No, so I, I won't pick up something that's... So I like playing on the back foot a little bit. And I think that, that that suits my personality to be a bit like I'm playing a lower A tier army or a B tier army and, and you've got the hotness. And, you know, so it's if you win you know, you're expected to win. And if I win, then it's like a glorious, you know, like victory for the underdog. Um, I'm pun- I'm punching the air at the moment, by the way, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, I don't know, that is part of me. Like I'll always go to what's not necessarily the hotness in, in all sorts of things. I don't know. Um, I don't know why I'm so like anti the the good thing. I'd have to probably talk to us. We all like to be snowflakes. I think it is. We do. What it is special snowflakes. No, that's normally my style is because I have like soul blight, gits, and skaven, and they're all sort Asian. of at, at the times they were like soul blight was like bottom A tier, mm-hmm. top B tier sort of thing, and then we had the Kragnos and the Stonehorn, so that was that sort of range, mm-hmm. and then you had skaven shooting that sort of range, and then. We have a teams tournament coming up, mm-hmm. and all my armies have three D printed aspects on them, and like they weren't allowed to go to the tournament unless they were like either resin or metal miniatures that I three D printed. Oh, so all my armies have that in there. So I'm like, what am I going to take? And then one of my mates popped up that he was selling his bone splitters, and I'm like, it's nice, easy army to paint mm-hmm. and play. Um, so I just grabbed it. So for one time, I'm taking the filth. But normally I sit in that aspect range as you do uh, and enjoy playing uphill and then getting the reward of playing against a stronger army with a weaker army and feeling a nice 
uh, dopamine hit because you've completed what you wanted and set out to do. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. I don't, side note, I don't think Bone Splitters are filth. They, they're, they're, they're very good, but they need play. So um, you haven't um, compromised your credentials, okay, Sam? You're, you're, <laughs> good, you're good, man. You're good on the splitters. Um, it's got Owen's stamp of approval there. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Across the bacon bum, I've just branded the back of that of those <laughs> pigs. Um, yeah, so definitely I like synergistic armies. I like playing on the back foot a tiny bit. Um, and I do like summoning. I like recursion. You know, like I, I Sylvaneth, I used to love my Branch Wraith, OBR, Corn, um, uh, Soul Blight. Yeah, definitely the ability to set up these traps, as I've talked about, and then get hit and then bring troops back. I think there's a good psychological element to like your opponent feeling like they've maybe wasted a turn. Um, you know, the the Revenant Seekers with the Kurnoth Hunters in the new book is so strong. Like you can spend, you know, your opponent can spend a couple of turns chipping things away. And then with a rally and a spell and a Seeker, you've turned a unit of three Hunters back to a full unit of six. And you're like, you know, I'm back up to full power. So I, I do like those, um, yeah, synergistic creative armies with with recursion. That's probably my style. Did you, would you say you're sort of a bit of a list writer as well then? Or do you sort of feel you luck into lists or you sort of sit down for a few days and sort of pull these nuggets out and then go from there with your lists? No, I've just got mates who are really good at writing lists. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I think... Generally, I, I, I'm I, I'm not as good a list writer as I'd like to be. I kind of have an idea often, and then I'll it always need a polish. I kind of I'll 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 get a certain way down the road with it, and then somebody such as like uh, Leo, who was on the show talking about deployment, um, he's a fantastic list writer. Um, and again, uh, you know Simon Weekly from the the Wales Captain Darren, again Benjamin historically. Um, you know, there are lots of people that I've surrounded myself with and you just like, have a look, what do you think? And they'll be like, <laughs> what, you know, what, you know, then they'll just, just tweak and finesse it. So no, I, I'm, I, I kind of tend to have an idea. Um, but yeah, I definitely lean on my friends um, to, uh, to, to finesse those lists. Yeah. So I wouldn't call myself a list writer. I'm a kind of concept writer. Um, yeah. Uh, and that feeds into my work quite a bit. I kind of like going, this is the kind of thing we're going to do. And then like, can you, can you do it for me? You know, like <laughs> I can do the the rough sketch, but then somebody more talented than me can actually do the piece of artwork. That's uh, yeah. That, that's how I would um, characterize it. Yeah. And then do you normally stick once you've designed your, your list and sent it off to someone else to, to polish and, mm. and clean up, do you generally stick with your armies for six months to a year or what sort of your pattern with armies? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I first got into the scene in like 2018, late 2018, I played 27 tournaments in a row with Sylvaneth. So I was very, okay. I was kind of wedded to the, I didn't know Rob at the time, but watching the Honest Wargamer, uh, he was like, play for a year. And it was a really good piece of advice, I think. And I, again, another good piece of advice for, for, for newer players was, you know, uh, learn that that list inside out and maybe by the end of that run you'll understand um you know uh the, the strengths and weaknesses of it but yeah you'll stick and then there's always i think there's like three to five hundred points of every list there's a bit of flex or a bit of flavor um so you can change those things around but yeah over the course of playing I've, i went you know i did 
what was it? I, yeah, 27 tournaments with Sylvaneth. And then I finally was like, I can't, I can't suffer the crushing, you know, defeat of like failing to cast Throne of Vines on the first turn and then getting pummeled. Um, there was <laughs> the book, the other, the 2.0 <laughs> book was so punishing in that sense. We were so reliant on a couple of key spells. And when they didn't go off, you'd have a really crap time. So then I did a bit of corn. Uh, which was amazing. Um, but that was only like a couple of tournaments because I was borrowing the army. And then OBR came out and I went big into OBR and played that a lot, like hundreds and hundreds of games of that. So yeah, I think and then Soul Blight, I, I yeah, I tend to stick with things. I'm 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 not of the opinion that the list is the problem or or or, or you know, I'm not a cutter and shutter. I don't like move armies around too much. I kind of always think that it's on players to look at themselves. It's very easy to blame the list or blame the army or blame the dice when you don't do as well as you want to. But I think that you, it's like any data, you need a decent sample size to make a proper assessment. So like I will often play, yeah, 40, 50 games and then be like, okay, this isn't suiting me or maybe I'm a bit bored or the way that this army plays is very singular. So maybe I need to, you know, maybe this isn't really appealing to me, but that has changed recently, actually, Sam. I wouldn't say I was bored, but I've definitely played a lot of Sylvaneth. Um, and they have a very, the way that I was playing it, they have a very specific way of playing. And, and that that's what made me, you know, go off and go off to the golden. Meme, meme it up. Meme it up. Yeah, just, I think that that's quite good. It's a bit like when you're painting, right? You're doing that big batch paint. You've got those 40 graveguard on the table and you're like, oh boy. And then every now and again, you just want to be like, I'm going to paint that Kato dude, or I'm going to paint this little vampire. You know, you have your, your palette cleanser for your painting. Yep. I think you need your palette cleanser for gaming sometimes as well. Um, you're a little bit on the side, you know, just run off and <laughs> play with that for a bit and then run back again. Um, yeah, just to keep things keep things fresh. But yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm rambling, but I, I would say overall stick look look internally don't blame the dice or the or the army or the list you know think about whether you're actually getting the most out of that army before you move on um, i would say mm -hmm. a lot of times it's knowledge as well knowledge of your own army or knowledge of opponent traversing yeah and not understanding both of those things or either of those things can mm -hmm. lead to poor performance and then that's when you blame other things yeah because generally most of the time most armies unless they're like one of those 38% win rate armies. Most of the time, it's not the armies having an issue. It's either your game plan or the lack of knowledge in some aspect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we're all emotional. And, you know, when you're at the table, you <laughs> kind of, you we do want to blame something else. Um, but I do find the game is quite hard. To, it is quite hard to nail exactly what went wrong sometimes um because there's it's there's so many um moving parts to the game you know there's the matchup there's the mission um you know there's how you felt on the day it's you know how big the saturday night was or whatever um there's a there's a there's a lot of moving parts um and obviously the dice so i should always talk about the dice i do like armies that more the more i play the more i like armies that don't necessarily rely on dice so like playing recently with like kernel hunters with scythes like everything on twos and twos. Like, I love that. Or, Why are you playing a dice game? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's 
cheap. I would like to say it's cheaper than having a gambling problem, but I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if having a gambling problem would have been less expensive than than buying all the plastic toys that we have over the years. <laughs> you sound also like you'd love Zench then. I mean, I've heard of these dice. Mm. You can just pick them and you get the result you want. I know, but that's I think that's too far the other way. <laughs> I, I think twos and twos is not enough. <laughs> twos and twos is fine. Just going, I make a 12-inch charge. Although actually playing with the Celestine Prime recently is just ridiculous. You're just like always I've got a 24-inch threat range and always I can sit outside of redeploy range and make that charge. I'm like, wow, this is brutally efficient. Um, I think if if the game was incredibly efficient and like you just got to choose all the key things all the time. Um, I would certainly get bored. It's that drama, right? It's that thrill. Like I don't mind a re-roll or, or or like twos and twos, but I think just being able to pick the key things all the time, like uh, Zinch Archeon, just double six destiny That's dice. That's what popped to mind yeah, as well. Like obviously if you set it all up, then good on you. But I played against somebody, uh, Steve Follows actually had four sixes so he auto twelve the charge, <laughs> then got my my yep. my corn archeon with his each archeon. Maybe I shouldn't have given him the chance, but I was like, "Cool, how does that feel? You didn't, <laughs> you didn't roll anything. Come on, roll the dice. Yep. Let's go." <laughs> you didn't show how smart you were. You just showed that you had four sixes, and that's all you needed. Yeah, that was the salty response. Anyway, I mean, the, the, <laughs> but going to what I was talking about earlier, the true response would have been. I shouldn't have put my screens where I did because even though I was like 14 inches away, he whittled away the screens to the point where he auto six charged a single blood reaver and then was able to pile around me to get to Archeon. So my spacing was bad. So again, I need to look internally. I don't need to blame, <laughs> don't need to blame the four, four sixes on the destiny dice. I mean, they certainly helped. That's for sure. They did help. You're right there, Sam. <laughs> they were pretty key. <laughs> if it was a six and a five, it wouldn't have gone in the sword. So no. all that mattered was that double six. Damn. Yeah. But then he had full re-rolls as well from somewhere, didn't he? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you said earlier that you got into the hobby at 2018. Mm. Was this your first experience at tabletop games? Uh, actually playing, yes. But I do have memories of when I was in my early teens like 13 my brother and and i well i i have one older brother and him and his mates used to play in one of their garages and like you know uh, i used to tag along and they had kind of dwarves and orcs and you know the kind of the hero models on like the pieces of card this was like fantasy i probably want to say maybe second or third edition um, and I bought, you know, we, we didn't have any money when I was a kid, but I, you know, we bought a few models and I've still got some of them actually. I've got like a flame cannon and some dwarf slayers and oh, stuff. Cool. So I was very much, you know, into fantasy and sci-fi and, you know, all that stuff when I was a kid. Um, and yeah, Games Workshop was kind of in my life, probably a Warhammer for about a year. Um, but yeah, never really played or anything. But then, yeah, 2018... Um, I actually went over, I got back in touch more with my cousin, who's a history teacher, Adam, and um, went to a family barbecue. And he was like, Owen, come and look at my nerd room. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, come and look at my nerd room. I was like, sweet, okay. And he's got this little skinny, he's got two kids. He's got a very busy house. And then he's got this little skinny room tucked off to the side. And it was just this like 
cave of <laughs> cave of wonder you know he had like a little painting desk and like he had all of and he didn't sell anything and he kept going you know because he he was into it as well actually i should have said he was into it when we were kids so when we used to go and see him he'd have his empire and um yeah he was very much uh, into and he had lord of the rings but so he kept everything he had it all there still um and he was very much you know hobbying and painting as a way to you know chill out in the evenings and something just clicked in me again i was like yeah this 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 looks fun so i got back into it yeah through adam um and then found local gaming groups um and i think what did i buy first i got conned that's right i went into a jeter <laughs> i went into a jeter classic story getting conned into buying some shitty model <laughs> yeah i bought what did i buy I bought like I went in and I was like, I used to like dwarfs when I was a kid. Can you sell me some dwarfs? And I walked out with like a big Tempest Eye box that was like dwarves and Stormcast. And I didn't know what I was buying, but it was cool. Um, and I built and painted some little dwarves. And then then I bought some silver and I bought some Kernel Hunters. And then, then it just started rolling, playing more games. And I actually ended up getting into everything. Blood Bowl, Necromunda, I mean, Walker, I wasn't out at that time. Um, but yeah, kind of a little bit of everything, bits of 40K. Um, but then you you understand after a little while that you can't play everything, right? You've only got so much time. Um, so yeah, started building up a little Age of Sigmar army. Um, and, you know, then I would get, you know, birthday and Christmas, people would buy me things and it all would um, roll and expand and it all built to the point where i had about three thousand points of sylvaneth and i went to yeah i went to a tournament in 2018 um the back end of 2018 and like a it was part of a a bigger kind of uh wargaming i wouldn't say a convention um but like a gathering where you had historicals and you had it's called warfare it's one of the traditional older uh, more established gaming groups in the uk put on an event so they're called the Wargaming Association of Reading, I think they're called War, and then they put on this thing called Warfare, um, and it was like a 20-person event. It was actually 2,500 points, though. So my first ever tournament was 2,500 points, so I took loads of Colonel Hunters. If I remember correctly, it was won. I lost to him. It was won by a GW store manager from the local store who was playing the Forge World Corn Dragon the week after it had come out. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was a bit like, oh, he's pretty good, this guy. He's just like whomping all my dudes. Um, in retrospect, now, if I could put 2,500 points of Sylvaneth on the table now, and obviously being, you know, whatever, a thousand games in of AJS, I could I could wallop that off in a couple of turns. But, <laughs> but at the time... You'd hope so. Yeah, you'd hope so. But at the time, I was like, ah, this thing's just blowing everything up. Um, so yeah, 2018, I played at that. And then soon after, um, in London, we had an amazing um, venue open. So the Bad Moon Cafe opened then um, in late 2018. And they put on their first one day in January 2019. And I met the guys from the South London Legion. Um, and there's, you know, friends that I made on that day. I've still got to this day and, you know, it all just rolled from there. It became, you know what it's like when you get that, when you get that taste. Um, and it get, and it went, I think I went one, two in my first tournament and then I turned it into a two, one, and then I was fighting to go three and O oh, and then you go to two days and it, it's just this snowball that starts rolling and rolling and rolling. And then you start getting into the WhatsApp groups and chatting about lists and, 
you're like, ooh, this is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets all-consuming from that one little uh, mm. wardrobe garage thing that he had. Yeah. This all-consuming thing. It's mad. It is mad. It's such a big part of my life now. I wouldn't change it for the world either. Um, I think we were all very lucky to be into Warhammer and Wargaming through lockdown. Um, you know, like having those connections and having the opportunity to, you know, I think, what do they say? They say if you like, if you don't have a hobby by the time you're like 35, then it, it's just the Second World War. That's what you're going to be into. Um, so <laughs> I dodged a bullet there. Um, and also, like, it's an opportunity to hang out with like-minded people. And obviously, um, you know, there isn't a huge amount of female representation in the hobby. Um, but definitely, which is a, a problem, I think, but definitely hanging out with like mind, like hanging out with men and, and having an opportunity to like be emotionally vulnerable. I, I, I thought about this recently, you know, it's like when you play a game, it's three hours and like you have these highs and lows and you're, you're kind of playing and predominantly you are playing against another man. And men don't have that kind of like, we we don't allow ourselves to be emotionally open and emotionally raw like that a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, like I've had probably more men friends say they love me in the, since I started playing Warhammer than at any point ever in my, in my life. <laughs> you know, like I've got voice notes from, from friends through Warhammer and like they sign off with love you, um, which I think is great. And I think the opportunity for men to be emotionally open and talk about their problems and talk about and, and let off some steam and, 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 you know, not feel that they need to be these macho men. Um, that was a very rambly response there, Sam. I hope that you got the, <laughs> the gist of what I'm trying to say there in terms of playing the game and, and, and being, you know, open and emotionally open is great. And then you have those Saturday nights with, drinks and you know you then talk about other stuff outside of the game you know relationships and work and all this shit that we try and get away from because that's really what we're doing right we're, running we're escaping off, for three or four hours we're running off into a fantasy world because <laughs> the real world fucking apart from this lovely sunny morning the real world is a pretty fucking scary place so um you know back back on to what you're saying before mm. just to keep the ramble going I don't think there's many hobbies out there where you spend three to four hours one-on-one -on -one with another person mm. multiple times. Like you might sort of hang out in groups and other hobbies of like maybe cars or golf or whatever else, but having a one-on-one -on -one experience generally where you're both very engaged with each other and you've sort of removed that um, screen of dulling of emotions because mm. most men don't show any emotions whatsoever in everyday life. Uh, and then when you're screaming and hollering and having fun uh, and doing everything else in those three or four hours, like pretty much you're three feet away from each other, staring at each other's eyes all day. Mm. Um, there's not many hobbies that give you that sort of aspect to itself. No, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of something else. It's like recently I've been watching quite a bit of darts um, on the on the telly. I do like a game of darts. And even in that short period of time, you watch these darts players, they play for maybe 30 minutes. And at the end, they always hug and they often like kiss each other and stuff. And it's because they've <laughs> had this kind of competitive, respectful, emotionally high and low, you know, skill game where you're kind of, it's a, like a battle of wits. And I think, yeah, Warhammer's 
just like that really it's like a dance we're kind of you know you're you're you, there's a balance of there's there's a there's a camaraderie brotherhood element because straight away you have this thing in common with the person across the table from you it's not like a a speed date or something where you're just like trying to figure them out like instantly you're like <clears throat> like religion or football it's like oh you like what i like this is going to be cool you might be a very different person you might have different political ideas or whatever but <clears throat> excuse me but um you know immediately there's a there's a there's a camaraderie there and then then yeah then you have that roller coaster together and you know you 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 kind of you, you sell it it's a funny one i think even on all the top tables and stuff as well it's like you know i don't think that tempers it um there is kind of maybe a preconception that you know the middle and the lower tables are like high fives and beers and shots and you know kind of this kind of but but there's just as much camaraderie and 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 sort of respect and and wanting that connection um on the top tables as well um again another rambly answer but i think <laughs> i agree with you sam it's great right it's, it's... <laughs> you can just say you could give me the one word answer of yes <laughs> i could have done but you've given me a much better response Okay, yeah, damn it. We're not going to get through. Any, we're not going to get through any of these questions. <laughs> it's more a guideline, a guiding principle okay. for the show rather than a, a straightforward up and down because that would probably get a bit more boring. Yeah, definitely. I've got another another one that's probably not even on the list. But what sort of has kept you on the hobby then people. over these last four, nearly five years now? People, people. Yeah, you come. What was that saying? You come for the games and you stay for the peeps. You know, you you start. Uh, you know, like definitely. I think again, lockdown has you know added to that feeling. But um, you know, you want to see those people. You want to make those connections. And you know, there's the more time you spend in the community and the more tournaments you go to. It's just this extended rolling group of friends, um, and we all support each other. And you know, you're kind of. Oh, you're you know take the piss out of each other. Oh God, you're playing bloody Seraphon, or here we go. Some someone's jumped on the filth, and you know there's yeah, it's definitely the 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 people, the people, and maybe the you know we are the adrenaline of it as well. The 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 there is an adrenaline element to you know like that 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 sort of that energy on the Friday night or or that rush, you know, like you you've you've stayed up every night for the last two weeks painting this army and you're really happy with it and then you're going to get up at four o'clock in the morning and get a train three hours away and then turn up and like your bros are there and you're going to put this army on the table like it's like yeah it's like a i don't know when you're a kid and you've got like a birthday party to go to you're like super excited for like a week beforehand and then like going to a warhammer tournament feels like you know you've got this kids party kids party to go to <laughs> and you get to see all your friends and yeah so yeah definitely the yeah the, the people are, are what keep us keep us coming back for more because it's a you know we play against people we don't play against robots or ai do we it's it's the people and i hence i think a lot of people as soon as the world opened up more tts sort of seemed to fall to the wayside because it wasn't just the game between the two people it was mm. the whole emotions around it and being able to be in physical contact with other people mm. has a stronger pull than just playing a poorly optimized video game because we all know a much better video games out there than the ones of tts 
Yes, um, yes. It felt like it was uh, the methadone to the pure heroin that is yeah, yeah. that is face to face Warhammer. Definitely served its purpose, and I, there are still some communities bubbling along um, there, which is great, and connections being made. I think there are a lot of really nice stories about people. You know, like I made some friends through TTS. Um, you know, they were just like, "Oh, you live the other side of London," and you know, you, you know, you can make those connections. But definitely, yeah, definitely the in-person game um, is 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 the real is the is the hotness. Um, yeah, that that's 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 what we do it for. Um, well, we're going to take a nice sharp forty-five degree turn here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because I haven't heard you speak about this on any other podcast before. Maybe you have, or hasn't. I haven't heard or listened to it. How was your Worlds experience? Was Worlds was that a worse? Oh, sorry, was that your first experience at a Worlds sort of tournament level? Um, yes, it was the first Worlds. Um, I have played at the Six Nations, which is essentially it riffs off the idea of the Rugby Six Nations, which is normally it's England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Uh, France and Italy, whereas the Six Nations for our area is um, Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, and uh, Sweden. So I've played in a couple of Six Nations, but yeah, the Worlds was the first. To answer your question, wow. I mean, I'm a yes man. People ask me to do things and I always say yes. So I was kind of tasked with doing quite a few bits outside of the... um, the actual playing so like branding and shirts and score sheets and lots of extraneous stuff i did and that's fine uh, you know i said yes but also i was put on a new army um with like two months to go so i had to build paint play and learn beasts of chaos in like two months and i found yeah truth be told it was a very emotionally and physically draining experience um i love i loved it don't get me wrong but i don't think that i got as much out of it from a social perspective and perhaps a gaming perspective as i could have done if i'd have been on if gw hadn't fucking nerfed my boy nagash <laughs> if i could have turned up with obi nagash i would have felt like an absolute god like with like 500 games behind me like let's go but um they absolutely got him my boy so um, i had to it was funny. There was a Wales training weekend and like everyone was looking at me. I miscast on the first turn and then I miscast on the <laughs> third turn. And they were like all these eyes down the table at me like, you got to give him up, bro. you got to give him up. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to give that addiction yeah, up. Yeah, they were like, you've got to give it up. And I walked out of Firestorm Games in Cardiff with like eight, 18 Enlightened and a Beast of Chaos starting uh. box. We played like two proxy games and I was like, actually, this is cool. Um, yeah, so no, Worlds was amazing um just having that amount of people in the same room and the energy and the, the level was pretty wild actually um you know i i definitely think i leveled up um playing against some of those players i didn't do as well as i wanted to um the team obviously playing for wales um we lost against the, the podium we lost against england we lost very narrowly lost against uh sweden and we lost against uh france um, and there were small margins. We ended up seventh, which I still think is great for a quite a small nation. Um, we've got some excellent players. Um, but yeah, but I think, <laughs> excuse me, there's, um, <clears throat> there are some ways that we can Im- improve on our result. Um, 
but yeah, it was still a bit of a whirlwind actually. You know, it took me a couple of months to to get over it from a sort of emotional point of view because you just have so much invested and it's so intense. Um, uh, but yeah, it was. I'm still still gathering my thoughts on it. I have actually got to say that I um I didn't apply for the Six Nations team, which is coming up in November, just off the back of the fact that it was so all-encompassing um and it gave room for some new players to come in as well um but yeah i think you guys have just announced uh that the aussies have just announced their um yes. their, their team looks like a strong team oh yes we're coming with the heat again yeah man. we were what top three in the last round and mm-hmm. then obviously took a, a massive hit by uh team england all over again <laughs> yeah that was um yeah i mean they 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 are the ones to beat definitely um but yeah i think i'm um, looking at your uh, it was really interesting hearing some of the feedback from um people like smorgan and and stuart afterwards in terms of like pairing strategy and stuff um yeah i think it's going to be a really interesting world because the loads of teams have gone away and I, I was talking to you earlier about the frankenstein approach to wargaming where you like take little bits from people as you play and i think the teams are doing that now as well like the french team were nobody was more organized or had a bigger support structure than the french team the um the english team were very lauded for the quality of their pairings um you know the swedes were you know were again a very organized and methodical team like Every team that you played against, you could think to yourself, oh, we could do it this way or we could improve that way. Or they had two coaches and that was really helpful when you've got eight tables to cover. And so I think, um, yeah, next year's Worlds is going to be very, very competitive because the whole scene is leveling up and, you know, not professionalizing, but, you know, people are definitely learning from other teams and and looking to to elevate the, the team in that way. So, yeah, it's exciting times. You're listening to Smorgan. It definitely seemed like Australia's picked up a lot of things because they went in with a different mindset mm. and strategy. And then hearing about when they played games against Team England and stuff like that, um, I think I definitely had an enlightening experience when I listened to Sam. He was talking about the one dude that went in with the one drop Iron Jaws Army mm-hmm. and was there just to play the twenty minute round to see who who if he whether went up big or lost big, and his whole team could rally around either his large win or try and lift them up because he lost early on but they knew how and what had happened to him so they could work off of that straight away um yeah fascinating and then sam had not prepared for it he prepared for a two or three drop iron doors army which he'd won every time mm. but never against the one drop and then i think we didn't even have a coach we obviously had two um mercenary players as well so now we've pulled from new zealand um we've tried to pull another coach i think or a coach because obviously having a person that's playing as well as being a coach and doing pairings, that just is so taxing on their brain. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, it was Matt Tyrrell, wasn't it? He was, um, yes. he did a fantastic job, I think. And, um, you know, but he, we, it was funny near the venue, like, cause the venue food was so bad. We, everyone over the course of the week, we found that there was a KFC around the corner and more and more teams used to end up at this KFC between rounds. <laughs> and like Matt always was like, rallying the troops but and, and getting his chicken in him but also looked um he looked pretty drained by the end of the week because yeah it's a massive commitment because he was playing i believe he was playing as eidner um and yeah having to so. play do the pairings organize everybody but i mean for you guys it's a big investment you know in time and in money to come up to come over right that's that's a huge investment um so just need to get like 
I don't know, what is it, Foster's or something to sponsor you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I – so Foster's is the most Australian beer that no one in Australia has ever drunk in. <laughs> I have never tasted it once. I'm sorry, <laughs> I had to drop that in there. No, it would be it would be VBs or something, wouldn't it be? Yeah, VB or Tui's yeah, or um, any of. There's a multitude of uh, beers in Australia, and Foster's is not one of them. No, I'm sorry to all of your regular listeners. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. I know that Foster's isn't. <laughs> I know that Foster's isn't proper beer. <laughs> It's, I think it's like the Corona of like Mexico, where no one in Mexico drinks yes. Corona, but yeah. everyone over here loves it. <laughs> the beer, not the not the virus. <laughs> yeah, wow, they took a real hit, didn't they, during lockdown? Nobody, oh, yeah. nobody was drinking Corona beers at home. It was like, well, <laughs> leave those on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Um, because obviously you live in England and everything else. Mm-hmm. How come you were playing for Team Wales? What What was the the info behind that? Um, so my mum is Welsh and, um, my dad's English and I was born in England, but I moved to Wales when I was three. So I I grew up in Wales. Um, so it's funny, actually, uh, it's interesting you asked the question because by the, by the criteria of the world's council, I was actually still considered to be like a Merc, even though, you know, I've got Welsh parentage. I grew up in Wales for like 18 years. I think the criteria was you either have to live in Wales, be born in Wales. Yeah, live in Wales for five years or be born in Wales. And then that is five of the eight slots uh, are taken up by sort of what they consider to be true, um, you know, Welsh players. And then there's three slots then available to, you know, people who have a slightly more tenuous uh, association to the nation that's an interesting words association <laughs> um so the only problem with that is that um those three places are like super hotly contested because you've got people like the myhill brothers um rick and chris myhill uh you've got matthew goldsborough who's obviously an excellent player andy hughes who's been around on the welsh scene for a long time um so yeah i'm kind of duking it out with some heavy hitters um for the last three places if I want to get back on the team. Um, So, yeah, I would only ever play for Wales. I was actually asked, I played for Wales at One Six Nations and I was asked to be an England selector at one point. Uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> that's not spice, but um, yeah, I I I obviously turned them down. Um, I was asked by one of the English players. So, yeah, and I've been with the Welsh team now since 2019. I played my first Six Nations with them in 2019. So after playing, you know, so many tournaments through 2018, then the Welsh team at that point, I mean, I have to big, give a big shout out here to Mark Brooks, who was the uh, original captain. Uh, actually, yeah, he was the captain um, in 2019. And um, he, at that point, Wales were really struggling for players. There was a lot of mercs. We actually played one Six Nations, which is like people are fighting to get on the Six Nations team now. Um, but at that time, we actually had a player drop out and we had to have one of the Northern Irish players dads play for us at that point. <laughs> so in the three, four, well, yeah, four years, no, three years since that time, the Welsh team has really, you know, galvanized and, um, you know, we've got a really strong team now. So it's actually, um, yeah, really quite hard to get on that team. So I, I think maybe I could be considered one of the old boys now. I am definitely in terms of years. I'm, I think I'm the oldest person on the team. Um, but, um, yeah, 
that that's how I ended up playing for Wales. You know, I, I feel like I've, you know, grew up in Wales. I know Welsh culture. Um, yeah, family's still in Wales. So, yeah. We're definitely not England B team, okay? World, whoever listens to this, <laughs> like that has to get in the sea. That that conversation, <laughs> that conversation is over. Um, yeah, we are very much a proud team with a very Welsh core. You know, we now have, you know, we do all our communications in Welsh on on online. Um, yeah, through Twitter and stuff. So yeah, we are a proud Welsh team. <laughs> not the English B team, no, definitely not. Fuck that, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go on to some uh, listener questions here because they were really interesting and thought-provoking questions. I'm not sure if you had a chance to read through any of them. No, um, you're going to be hitting me, um, hitting me raw here, Sam. So be um, be kind, be gentle. Okay, be gentle. Some of them um, normally they're just short, quippy remarks that people love putting jokes out there and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, which we can start off with some of them. Okay. Uh, Tom or just Tom? Yes. Why don't you properly bend the brim of your hat? Oh, Jesus. I've only been wearing this. You wear your hat appropriately. I I would never bend the brim of my hat either. No, I mean, I think. That's sacrilege. When I was a youngster and I was a skateboarder, there was very much a bent hat vibe. I think Rob wears his hat bent, but no, this, this, this is a practical brim for blocking out all of that. It's a flat cap. Exactly. That blazing london southeast <laughs> england light um so yes no i'm a, i play with a straight bat and i wear a straight brim um and there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing that tom can say that's going to change my mind so um yes that, that that's why <laughs> uh, and fellow uh podcaster of yours yes. uh the feastmaster himself what top sock tips can you give okay how long we got pressure's on yeah um, so top, all day. top sock tips. Um, I would say, obviously, you need to wear an appropriate short, you know, um, to, to show off the socks, you know, and trainers. There has to be an element of coordination. You can't go for a wild sort of crazy sock. I don't know, like a, a uh, you can't have like Godzilla with a ghetto blaster or I don't know, kind of like some crazy festive socks or, you know, snakes and ladders socks. You can't have those teamed with a a very bright shirt. You know, if you're going to go big on the socks, then you need to have plain trainers and plain other clothing around it. So I'd say you have to pair, you know, you have to pair them correctly. Um I wouldn't ever. I'm going to go on for a bit here, but <laughs> yeah. I would. I mean, we all saw the video of you zooming in, frothing over those lovely socks before. I, We've all seen that. I can't it's believe all out there in the open. Fucking Darren, I can't believe he tweeted that. I, I thought he was just like taking a photo for a, for our own kind of comedy, but then <laughs> suddenly it was on the internet. You were caught in the act. I was caught in the act of um, yeah, cooing over my own socks. Um, <laughs> I would definitely say, Sam, that you never sacrifice practicality at the altar of fashion. So don't wear a thin sock on a cold day just because it looks cool. You know, you have to you have to get the correct level of, um, you know, comfort on those feet because, you know, they are at the end of the day, you know, it's it's, it's there's a practical side to the sock wearer. It's not just all fashion. Um, so that would be another. I mean, you can just wear those ankle socks like the. There's nothing covering your feet. It mm. just sits at your ankles. Oh, and that way you can just, sh- like the old um, sports sort of from the 90s where they used to, the, the ankle yes. warmers. You could just get a sock like that and stick it over your foot. And then that way, 
if someone complains or says, oh, that's not a practical sock, well, you can just show it's just for style. Okay. I like where you're going with that. Ah, I, I, there was a period of time where those little socks were part. Uh, I never really got behind that. I do like a big sock. I think if you're going to, I like a sock that kind of hurts your calf because you pulled it up so high and it's nice <laughs> and tight. Um, so yeah, definitely you need to coordinate. You need to be practical. Um, and then, you know, if you are wearing some plain clothes, then, you know, have it as an opportunity to show a bit of your personality, you know, like, okay, this guy's all business, but wow, you know, he's got a fun side. Look at that. He's got some <laughs> Roger the Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, uh, you know, socks on. Um, miscast socks coming soon, by the way, as soon as I can. Um, oh, are they? Yeah. Might have to grab myself up here. Yeah. You know, for um, they, they will imbue you with power and gaming expertise. They better. Yeah, man. I'm going to hold you to this, Owen. Okay. My game doesn't improve from those socks. I'm coming after you. <laughs> Each one will be uh, blessed by uh, Darren Watson. A bit like how you might buy, I don't know, like a sort of uh, some kind of religious piece of tit tat that's been blessed by, um, you know, uh, some kind of uh, religious leader. Darren will imbue it. He will, you know, sort of, he will blow on it a bit. Like, have you ever done that in a game, actually, Sam? You ever run over to a mate and been like, I fucking need a six here. Can you just <laughs> yeah. give it some juice? And, you know, every time that's happened, um, every time someone's done that, I've, I've had good results. So, uh, yes, um, miscast socks coming soon, um, imbued with Darren Watson energy. You hit it. Whenever any of my friends roll a one on that dice, mm-hmm. I just disown them they're no longer my friend oh, yeah absolutely. kind of someone that's unlucky like that hey you know what i've actually got a dice here sam um you can't see this on a podcast obviously darren when he won lgt <laughs> he got given a really nice set of casino dice and um now i used to do it with a different dice but i now do it with this dice most days i get up and i roll this dice three times and then that's going to determine how good my day is going to be and that kind of have you rolled it today? No, I'm going to roll it three times now. Shit. I better... right, give, us, give us the okay, results. Okay, so we've got... On. Fuck, a one. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Oh, shit, another one. Oh, my God, <laughs> I've got so much to do today as well. I better get a six and bring this back. Otherwise, oh, I wish I hadn't started this now, Sam. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's a three. That's like a low one point. That's a very low score. Okay, fine. I wish I hadn't done that. Okay, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it showing a six. But yeah, I am that kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe in those sorts of things. The other day, I rolled a six and I had a great day. Um, but then sometimes I roll a two and then I'm like, "Screw you! I'm gonna show the dice that today is gonna be a better day." Um, but now you've just rolled two ones in a row. A two ones and then a three. Maybe okay. One more. Come on. If I roll a six now, it's gonna be a great day. Fuck, another three. Okay, fine. Sorry, let's get back to the uh, program. Sorry about that. Statistically, you've rolled better on average Mm -hmm. with that casino dice than you have Games Workshop rounded dice. Yes, true. Did you read that article? I didn't read that article. What's that article? So there was an article put out by someone saying that Games Workshop dice roll on average worse than normal dice because of the rounded edges. Never the... They'd done a few thousand dice rolls or something like that. I don't know if it was turned out to be a joke article or not. I didn't say otherwise. But they were saying that the images on sixes aren't um, enough dice missing for it to ever account for rolling more sixes. 
Um, sounds like someone's got some dice out there. Sounds like someone's got too much time on their hands, Sam. They could yes, they could have spent indeed. that they could have spent that time I don't know writing some cool lists or doing something else for the community. Um, yeah, I would. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't listen to that. <laughs> well, we'll go into some more thoughtful questions. Then. Yes, carry on. Uh, so Jonathan, that runs the Azir Weekly, mm-hmm. he asked, as a known name in the Age of Sigma community, do you feel that the name recognition impacts on engagement with the game? Impacts on engagement with the game. Interesting. Um, how would you quantify like engagement? Maybe with the I game? wonder if he more means when you play people in a local game or in a mm. tournament, if your opponents maybe feel the whole starstruck thing. Because I think was it Darren? I spoke to someone and he said the guy pretty much lost the game because he made unopt. Uh, suboptimal choices because he was a little bit starstruck against the person. I think it was Darren. Mm. It was someone anyway. And he said he pretty much, the guy had the game in the bag, but made all these suboptimal plays and he lost the game because he was a little bit starstruck. Do you find that has occurred to you? Um, or And then do you find sort of your name in general, because it comes out in other podcasts mm. or other uh, media that you feel that maybe you have a higher expectation of yourself and things like that as well? Um, I definitely feel that, you know, the pressure to perform is kind of there a little bit. I think, you know, if you put yourself out there and you talk about the game and, you know, you're on different things and I would never profess to being a fantastic player. I'm, I'm kind of like a high seven out of 10, I would say, Sam, again, that may be just me being my self-deprecating self, but, um, you know, I've only ever gone five Oh once, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay at the game. So I definitely like to say to people like no one's ever said, Oh my God, it's you or whatever. Um, but I do, I do see in my opponent's eyes sometimes there's like a recognition that they may might see me on Rob show or something. Um, <clears throat> But no, there's definitely a pressure to 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 deliver. You know, you know, I'm on my national team, and you know that sort of thing. Um, so you know, turning up and going when I lose the first game or something, I'm a bit like, oh shit, here we go. Um, and people like to take the piss out of me, and that's fine. My mates do, so that's fine. Um, from so that that's an element. Um, there is another element to it as well in terms of like for a sporting analogy, you know, like we have in the UK, this, um, this um, football, I don't know if you're aware of the FA cup. It's like a tournament where basically you play for, you play for a long time and then the big guns join in the third round and you can have like your, yeah, you can like have this local, not a local team. You can have a small team that plays in like the 10th tier of the football league and they get to play Manchester United and they call it like a giant killing, you know, like if this team Manchester United have to like get on their fancy bus and drive to this little town in the middle of nowhere and play in front of 1500 or 2000 fans on a shit pitch and then they, <laughs> and they might lose. So I have had a thing a couple of times and I'm not making that analogy between players at all. Don't get me wrong, but there's a, there's a, 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 a name killer element to it, to it. So I've played certainly in um, Amsterdam and in a couple of other places and like, players have been like openly said to me, I'm not going to let you do that. I really want to fucking beat you. I want to beat you, (laughs) you know? So there is an element of, you know, kind of taking a scalp, if you know what I mean. Um, Yes. Yeah. 
And I lose, I lose a lot of games of Warhammer. Like I, you know, I regularly go four one and sometimes three two. And so, you know, I, I, if you're in the LVO, not LVO, if you're in America, three two. Yes, yes. Uh, hoping to go a bit better this time. No, I've gone four one twice. I've been to America twice and gone four one twice. Oh, I thought maybe there's someone else that went because maybe did someone else that you went with go three two. I'm trying to think, but th- oh, by the way, Sam, three two is a fantastic for all the people listening. It is like, a good result. Three two is a great <laughs> result. No, I got Drew against Gavin round one um, at Nova. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, okay. and went four one, and then I went four one at Slaughter. But no, so I'd I'd, I'd like to think that m- me being a name or whatever doesn't impact negatively on my opponents. Um, to answer Jonathan's question, um, for me personally, I just love playing the game. And I like to, if I do see that someone's a bit nervous or whatever, I'm a bit, I'll just calm it all down and be like, hey, I, my opening line is always like, I like to play competitive, but I like to play fair and I like to have fun. I was like, I'm not going to gotcha you on anything. We're just going to play a normal game. And if you're going to do something really stupid on the first turn, I'm going to tell you not to do it. But then if you do it again in the later turns, then so be it. So no, I like to, I like to calm it all down and just be like, look, I'm just a war gamer like you, like I'm on some podcasts, whatever, you know, let's just, let's just have a fun time. I'm here to have a fun time, make some friends, <laughs> maybe get really salty. Cause I can be a salty fucker. And I know that, um, <laughs> we all have heard the tale of the, uh, the, the, the things that shoot long distances. You can say the, the word, Sam, you can <laughs> say the word. It's okay. <laughs> um, sad strikes. Yeah. The sad strikes. Um, yeah, that was an interesting little episode but anyway um no so i i, I don't like to negative i don't i hope it doesn't negatively impact my opponents but it certainly doesn't it's not a problem for me i just want to play the game and meet people and have a good time just you don't have long strikes <laughs> <laughs> at least they're not as good anymore uh they're okay man they're still pretty fucking good i think if you take two threes it's still really good um that's the thing. I've been playing Stormcast, but I'm still not going to take any of those. <laughs> I am taking a slam, but I have got a yeah. I've got a. I do have my print. You've got morals. I've got my You've principles. Got yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then one of your uh, local friends, mm. Chris Myhill. Ah, okay. Chris. He's asked, "Who is or what is inspiration with the hobby and army builds?" Ooh, good question. So definitely inspirations for me. I, I can just reel off some people that have definitely inspired me through the course of playing the game for the last four years. I would say from a a kind of, uh, there was a time when I used to play and, you know, I would just put my things around and I wouldn't necessarily respect ranges, like, but definitely the respect of range and, and understanding that you don't have to put all your stuff forward. You know, you can play for the late game. Um, I would definitely say Simon weekly. I played against him, uh, in the build-up to uh, Six Nations, and he's an incredibly methodical deployer. Like, I've never seen anyone use more gauges and nine-inch sticks and three inches. And he will just tell you at the start of the game, he'll be like, right, you can't shoot me, you can't get me here, da 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 Like, he will basically tell you what you can do <laughs> on your first turn, and you'll be like, oh, I can't really do anything then. But then he's like, but if you give me the turn, I can do this, 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 this. So... Simon, from a very methodical point of view, um, uh, from list writing and things, I would say, again, 
just I would say the South London, I would say the South London Legion. I'm not just going to reel off a load of names that people might recognize. I'm going to say the South London Legion, the Welsh team, um, uh, the international community that I've met through like TTS and um, and Worlds. I would say that there's little bit of little bits of inspiration all the way through. I think we might have talked about this off air at the start, but I will just double down on my Frankenstein approach to Warhammer. I think that's the right term because Frankenstein was made up of loads of different body parts, right? Frankenstein's monster was. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I'm Frankenstein's monster. I'm not. Doc- I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Doctor Frankenstein. And I think that we all are as war gamers. So like the the Frankenstein's monster approach is just to like take little bits from everybody as you go through your journey. You know, like ah, oh, they had a really interesting way of, you know sequencing their hero phase they had a really oh he had a really cool score sheet and it reminded him of how to or she had an amazing way that she applied like all of her tokens to her units and i'm going to take that with me um so i I would say you know definitely playing in the south london legion was the real starting point like learning um all the different ways that you can approach the game and, and opening my mind in that sense um and then through the welsh team um you know learning more about the high-end stuff um and yeah so i yeah like i could say i think it may be a bit boring if i just reel off loads of names but um <laughs> I, I would impress upon people to take that um that approach uh that the frankenstein's monster approach to warhammer um take notes learn analyze mm-hmm. uh look yeah yeah that, that, that's well, it's sort of like that perfect thing on miscast when you had sam come on with his little uh tracker that he had mm-hmm. yeah exactly like i'm sure a few people have stolen that idea or approached sam to to get something similar for themselves yeah absolutely um and even even if it's not in the sense of like um something physical or something kind of you know, tokens or, or just like, oh, wow, like I really appreciate this person's way that they're playing the game and how clear they're being. Like I have a thing where I would, I very clearly say, okay, hero phase over, um, you know, playing a because there's so many things that can happen at the start and we're playing in a very interactive, reactive um, version of the game at the moment, aren't we? You know, with your redeploys and things like that. So I, you know, having people who are very clear in terms of, we're at this point of the game. We're at this point of the game. We're at this point of the game. Um, I think that that's that's something that I, again I've learned from other players, um, and I think is very really helpful to, to keep the so that there's no points at which anyone can say, "Oh, I missed that," or so I'm like, "Okay, so I'm going to move my unit." Okay, that unit's moved, and then there's a pause. It's like. I won't say, are you going to redeploy? If anybody, okay, here's a good tip for everyone. If anyone <laughs> says, are you going to redeploy? It's because they want you to redeploy that unit. So you've wasted your redeploy and you're, then you're not going to redeploy against the important thing on the other side of the board. So if anyone ever yep. offers you to redeploy, <laughs> don't take the bait. It's not worth it. Um, anyway, that was a side note. but um, Especially when, <clears throat> um, go back to your little previous statement, like the starter hero phase stuff with the dispelling of an endless spell, mm-hmm. people miss that stage completely because they'll be halfway through casting their spells before you realize they've even gone on to the next stage. Yeah. Or like the unleash hells and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you miss a lot of these, even like the monster actions. Everyone misses the monster action because it's in between the important charge phase and then straight into combat. Yeah. 
uh, and they can be quite impactful as well if you've missed those important steps because it sort of signals where you're going to go with your intent for your actions yourself. Yeah, again, another thing, and I've been guilty of this recently, is um, the start of the phase, um, start of the hero phase, as you've alluded to in terms of dispelling spells, let your opponent, if it's their turn and you want to rally, just let them fucking do everything. Let them do their heroic action. Don't tell them, oh, I'm going to rally that unit with my CP. Like, just keep your mouth shut. You know you want to do it. But if you tell them, they might be like, oh, yeah, um, I'm going to rally my graveguard. Um, so let them go through everything and be like, can you tell me when it's the end of the start of the hero phase, please? So let them do battle tactic, heroic action, anything else, because you might rally and then they might be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to rally my dudes. And you'd be like, no, 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 you've done all your stuff. And I know that this sounds a bit arseholy, but if you're playing, you know, you know, top top tables or whatever, or, you know, fine margins, you can, you know, if things are clearly structured and stated, you can then, you don't want to remind your opponent to rally. I think that's the point of my my ramble, by the way. Or even <clears throat> make them lose a battle tactic. I'm going to go kill that unit for whatever reason, and mm. there's one model left, and you've got a four-up rally, and you've got three dragon ogres you're going to rally up on a four-plus. You're talking my that language. That unit's not dying now. <laughs> <laughs> that's happened a lot. Yeah, yeah, wow. Again, Worlds, that was a good play. There was I had one dragon ogre left, and he wanted to kill my opponent, won the turn, and he needed to use Marathi to go in and kill the Shagoth. And I then was able to rally back a screen of Dragon Ogres in front and then redeploy them forward. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Anyway, off topic again. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> so what's next for Owen? What's next? Um, so I'm going to go to America tomorrow to play in this Castle Con. Um, which is kind of an invitational thing with a load of American players. And there's a few of us going over from the UK. So that'd be fun. I'm kind of going with like a semi meme list again. It's like a new version of the reign of stars. So I've dropped, I've dropped the judicators and I've dropped the luminarch. So I've dropped a bit of lasery shooty punch and I've got a big unit of four fulminators now. So I've got a true hammer. So um, the list is star Drake prime slam two times five libs, four fulminators. This little group of like Warhammer Underworlds dudes, I don't know if anyone like Darren played against somebody with them. They're called the Far Striders. Have you ever seen them on the table? They're like the Stormcast unit. I've never heard. I, I think of they're from the uh, Underworlds, yes. you say. Yeah, I've heard the name of them. I've seen them, but I've never seen anyone play with them ever. Yeah, they're great. They're 90 points. They can teleport. Anywhere on the board, uh, they have to be wholly within six inches of the board edge. They're like a unit of tree revs, but like the list that I've been playing is really shit at battle tactics. So it's a really easy. It's <laughs> the a, main core of the game. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so I'm going to, uh, they're really good at getting desecrated. And the, Darren played against somebody who had them and he was like, oh, this little unit's quite good. Um, so yeah, going to take Reign of Stars 2.0 to America, then get back. And then I'm maybe going to do this corn army um because uh, i've got a tournament uh a scribes of war tournament in a couple of weeks um and i you know we haven't really talked about hobby i really did come into it from a painting side of things like my family is all artists um and i do really love i i came in really as a, a you know wanting to paint and you know getting very keen on that and i'm you know airbrushing and all that sort of stuff 
Um, so I think maybe I haven't really hobbied much this year, Sam. You know what it's like. You kind of end up having your armies and you play your armies a lot. And with the new Sylvaneth book, I was able to just dip back in and just pick all those models up. I think I painted three Seekers and that's all I needed because I had everything else. So I might take some time for me and and maybe, you know, uh, really spend some time paint, painting up this corn army to a nice level. Um, that, 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 that'll be me for the next couple of months, I hope. I'll definitely get some photos because I do like enjoying talking about the hobby aspect with people because mm. I do enjoy hobby myself. I love trying to get models painted up to a nice standard or a nice scheme and things like that. So mm. I'll get some photos of some models mm. and you can sort of not skip past, but you get to the end result of what Owen's been working on mm. and sort of work towards. Uh, so we'll get some photos of those up there for you. Cool, man. Have you got any uh, little tips or tidbits about yourself that you'd like to uh, put out there in the podcast world? A little uh, random question at the end there. Ooh. Because <clears throat> uh... when I spoke to Alex, yes. Alex said you are very interesting outside of the Warhammer world. Okay, I've got something for you here. <laughs> I'll actually, I'll actually talk about something that you from one of the list of questions that you sent me. Um, which I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, maybe. Yeah, I'll talk about it. So um, you've got a question here, which is, what does my partner think of Warhammer? Okay. So I'm going to flip this on its head a little bit. And I've got a, <laughs> I've got a, like a little bit of a bittersweet sort of story for you. Um, but hopefully it's a bit of advice uh, for people who are in the same situation as me. So during lockdown, I actually broke up with my partner over a long time. Um, and then during we, but during that period, she kind of said to me because she could hear me on podcasts and she could like doing all the TTS and she kind of said when we broke up and she was like, you know what, over the last like four to six months, she was like, I actually really understand what Warhammer is for you. And she was like, I used to just think it was you going off and pushing toy soldiers around with your friends. And she was like, but she was like, I really respect it now. And I think it's like a really good part of your life. And it's a really good thing for people to have in their lives. And I was like, thanks. I was like, you know, I'm kind of sad we're breaking up, but, you know, I like, thank you for that. So now my tip for Met, for, for anybody out there, is I'm now moving into the world of online dating. And all of my non Warhammer friends are fucking screaming at me and I don't care. <laughs> but literally within, within like a day of chatting with someone online, like a few conversations, like I'm in there. I play Warhammer. This is what I do. Next week I'm traveling to this country or next week I'm going to play in this tournament or I've been painting all night. Like, don't be afraid of your hobby. Like, again, Rob said to me about dating and I'm sure he won't mind me telling you this story, uh, which is he once went on a date with somebody and she blathered on to him about real ale for like an hour and he doesn't drink. And he was like, okay, yeah, this is interesting. And then as soon as he started, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, as soon as he started talking about Warhammer, she was like, oh, that's that toy soldier thing. I don't want to talk about that. And, it, <laughs> and immediately he was like, okay, well, the date's over then. And was just like, bang, bang. So if somebody doesn't, you know, respect you or, you know, and care about your hobby, then they're not really worthwhile being in your life. So anybody out there who's dating or whatever, don't be a don't the hobby is not a dirty secret it's fucking cool and if you're passionate about something and 
you're confident about it, that's actually pretty sexy. So um, that's a very niche bit of advice. But if anyone's <laughs> out there dating or like looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner, um, don't be don't be afraid of talking about something that you love about because being confident about it is fucking sexy. So go out there and. I was about to say, mm-hmm. I've heard from people that being passionate about something can be like a turn on or is quite an attractive trait for people to have. Yeah, definitely. Like you don't want to go out with somebody who's just fucking vanilla. Like, oh yeah, I kind <laughs> of I sort of like this. Or if you're like, yeah, I do this, and I meet it with my friends at the weekend, and we have these amazing emotional experiences, and I've got friends all around the world. They're like, oh wow, this is pretty cool. Like I was chatting with a girl the other day, and she was like, God, you're the top in the top. You were in the top sixteen in the world. I'm not in the top sixteen in the world at anything. And I was like, <laughs> it's cool, right? <laughs> so um, that would be one thing. Um, other than that. I don't know, really. I think don't let anybody tell you how to do your hobby. Um, you know, if you like playing, like I've talked to earlier about, you know, maybe, um, you know, like playing a little bit off the top meta and playing a bit left field. But if you like taking fucking nails armies and you get your mate to speed paint them for you and you pay him and you turn up and you smash, that's cool. You know, I can be salty. Own it. Yeah, own exactly. Own it. Yeah. Like if you're going to take your Seraphons and you're going to take your your Nurgle fly spam or whatever, whatever the hotness is, like don't apologize. Just turn up and, 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 and crush it. And that's cool. That's cool by me. Similarly, if you want to, you know, operate in your own little world of taking units of, you know, 15 units of Boingrock Bounders and some Cave Squigs and, you know, whatever. Hey. Don't you knock on my gits. Mate, I'm not knocking it. I'm saying it's great. Like somebody went 4-1 <laughs> at the weekend with like 10 units of bounders or something crazy. Um, basically, just do what the hell you want because we've only got one life and like it's actually quite short. So do what makes you happy. Don't tell anyone else. Don't let anyone tell you what you're doing is right or wrong. Just fucking do it and own it and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that level of positivity will always bounce back on you. Um, you know, you'll you'll meet lots of great people doing this. So I'm rambling again, Sam. But basically, <laughs> just fucking be yourself, and and your pe- people will love you for it. Yeah. Have, have you got any shout-outs at the end of the show here, Owen? Ah, uh, have I got it? <laughs> Sorry. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna shout out um cousin Adam, cousin Adam, Adam Jackson. Big shout out to Adam and his kids. I'll shout you out, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it as well. You're doing the Lord's work. Um, <laughs> and I'll just, yeah, shout out to my next opponent. I hope we have a great time. Um, and shout out to, yeah, all, all the all the people I've met along the way. I've had a great time and I wouldn't change uh, getting into this hobby for the world. It's been awesome. Lovely way to end the show there, Owen. Thanks, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat. It's been excellent. Had a few good laughs as well. Good. Me too, man. Um, I don't know what we covered. I can't actually remember what we talked about. <laughs> but, um, Everything and nothing. Hopefully it's the been... best way to do a podcast. Yeah, man. Hopefully it's been entertaining. And um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, dude. Thank you. Well, enjoy the rest of your sunny day there. Thanks, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to Unidentified Wargamer. You can find links for the guests located in the description below. 
You can find the show on Twitter at U underscore Wargamer, and I will see you next week. Masters, the Australian for lager.